Hi, Starfish. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Mary Contrary? Good. So I have an older story, but it's a good story today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Today we're going to talk about a gentleman named Reed Slatkin. Always interesting names. I know. It's like you have to have like a really interesting name to be like a scammer. Right. Where's the John Smith? I mean, there's so many of them. We've never seen a single John Smith. No. You know? It's, it's actually <laughs> a little crazy, so... It is. Anyway, so this is the story of Reed Slacken. He's a former minister of the Church of Scientology. Oh, fun. Yeah, so he basically swindled 800 clients out of nearly $600 million. Wow. From 1986 to 2001. Wow, that's a long one, too. Jeez. I know. Like, so this one lasted 15 years. So what he did was he basically claimed to be an investment guru. That's a pretty common scam that you and I have run across Mm -hmm. here. Basically, he was among the most prestigious of Hollywood Scientologists. He basically managed to raise about $600 million from all these wealthy investors in Hollywood. So he was kind of like a who's who guy. Like, there's a ton of people in the 90s that threw a ton of money at him. So I'll name a few. Okay. Joe Pantoliano. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Anne Archer. Jay Seedrish. <laughs> Greta Van Susteren. And Giovanni Rabishi. I'm like, are these people like the daytime TV, the soap opera actors, maybe? Okay, Joe Pantoliano. He was in Matrix. He was the one who wanted to take the pill and live in bliss. Ignorance is bliss. Oh, Remember yeah. that guy? He was the guy that wanted the steak, yeah. right? Like he- oh, yes. yeah. He I was like bald. that guy. Yeah, okay. So he was swindled. <laughs> Then Giovanni Ribisi, he was in The Mob Squad. I don't know if you've seen that, but he was one of my favorite movies he's in is like, uh, speaking of swindles, is it was, it was like an Enron oh movie where he's like, no way. He's like selling people on stocks. Oh my I know, God. right? Hilarious. Wow. Yeah, he sells people on these fake stocks and he's really good at it. And then they get caught. <laughs> this is so good. Yes. Oh my God, this is so good. It's like he just did the story of his own undoing or something. It was was after this. I wonder if it was about it. That's so funny. Or close to it anyway. Yeah, he's like, oh. It's probably why he was so good at it. It was a really good role. Oh, man. I'm going to have to watch that movie now. It's good. Anyway, so these are some of the ones that he sucked into this. Hmm. So I'll give you a little background on Mr. Reed. So he was born in Detroit in 1949. He didn't have a really good childhood. When he was 16 years old, his father committed suicide in their garage, which is terrible. And so understandably, he was lost and needed some direction. Oh, yeah. So I guess... Luckily or unluckily for him, his uncles introduced him to Scientology, and he got a chance to study directly under Lafayette Ronald Hubbard, which is the founder of Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so basically, he worked his way up. They have like a ranking system there. It's kind of a weird, Mm -hmm. weird thing. We won't get into that because that's like a whole nother episode. Oh, gosh. I mean, you should watch the Leah Remini series. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've I've watched it. Oh, I'm obsessed. Super Ugh, crazy. So yeah, good. If you guys get a chance. Right, the, the bridge or whatever. Yeah. Is that what they're going up? Yeah. Ugh, such a scam. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I know. So anyway, 
They're not listening anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're not allowed to. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So anyway, at the age of 24, he became a Scientology minister. He preached the message and believed it. And then he also married his wife. And then everything was going great, except that his job was not paying him as much as he needed to pay bills. So a mentor in the Scientology community taught him about stocks and investing, which got him thinking that this was the best way to make it big in 1984. Mm-hmm. So he headed out to California looking for that golden opportunity. So in the garage of his new home, he set up an investment office and called it the Investment Club. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people start their businesses out of their garage. It's kind of crazy. Like even Jeff Bezos, he did that too. Right. Yeah, right, right. I don't know. Financial stuff is a little different. Like, why don't you just go be a financial counselor? I would never trust some sort of financial counselor out of their garage, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, that's just me. Yeah, it seems kind of shady, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just go walk up to, like, some, you know, Edward Jones or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So I guess he reached out to the people in his circle, and he asked them to start investing with him. Basically, he was telling them to give their money to him because he could make more than the banks would, right? (laughs) Of course, everybody wants that, you know. That is a total red flag, everybody. Red flag. Red flag. Your family can't make more for you than the banks most of the time. I mean, I don't know. You have to have some very special skills to say that to somebody. Can't even guarantee it anyway, ever. No, no. No, and if you're going to do that kind of stuff, then go find a licensed financial planner. Right. If you're going to do stuff like this, find someone that has credentials. Find someone that has the education and the little letters behind their name. Like, that's a good place to start. And then independently check it because Melissa Caddick faked her credentials. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot about that, too. God, we're getting burned everywhere. Starfish. Right? I know. I hate giving the big banks my money, but, man, it's just so scary to hand it over. I can't imagine giving it to most people. Yeah. What he basically did was he lied and said, well, I'm an investor with tons of experience and a technical analysis genius. Okay. So this guy is acting like he's like a Warren Buffett. So So. somehow he was too poor on his own, but he can make you money. Okay. Yeah. So of course, his gullible Scientology friends thought that indeed there was no way that they could lose their money. So they invested with him. So that was like the line of thinking that this Daniel Sita, a former associate of Slatkin. So Daniel worked in Los Angeles and the antique art industry. So when he learned of Slatkin's investment practice, he trusted him to invest almost $400,000 worth of his entire life savings because he thought he had found someone who could help him achieve his dreams of refinancing his home, which... Sad. I mean, back then, the housing market was completely different. So refinancing your house was like a hard thing to do. Now it's like you get like a thousand calls a day for that or like those little letters in the mail. So it was just a way back then of saving money. Because if you remember, the interest rates were like way higher than they are now. Like they kind of flipped that coin a little bit right on us so now like the interest rates are low but now we you can't afford a house so right (laughs) here's what (laughs) happens when you ask for that yeah it's like they're always playing a game with us it feels like but anyway so slatkin wanted to of course play with more money than that and what his position in scientology allowed him access to so he was wondering how he'd get uh the celebrities and high-ranking officials to invest with the investment club 
And then Kevin O'Donnell showed up with a $20 million investment. So there you go. He had his whale bait there. Kevin O'Donnell? Yeah, Kevin O'Donnell. This is another actor? Um, I think he actually, he invited Slatkin to be part of a new startup called Earthlink. So I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah, totally. The, they were this internet provider. Right, right. <laughs> that a lot of people got involved with. Yeah, so there was, I think... You know, I did look up Earth, like the history behind Earthlink a little bit. They're still around. Hmm. They're like an email server, I think, or something like that now. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. There was three of them that invested in it with Slatkin. Hmm, okay. And it's actually still around. Like, it looks like um, in January of 2019, Tribe Capital acquired Earthlink for $330 million in cash. Wow. So, you know, that was one of the very few things that uh, worked out. But I think it's because there was the other people involved in this one, hmm. this little venture of Earthlink. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not going to trash talk it because it obviously looks like a legit company and like some of the other things that he did. Right. The guy's on LinkedIn, the one that says he's the founder of Earthlink. So he's still on LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. So O'Donnell wanted Slatkin to invest and help with the company's finances. So big mistake there. <laughs> um, so he not only agreed to take up the job, but also invested his own 75000 And then three years later, the company went public and he got a return of $100 million for Earthlink. Hmm. So then Earthlink gave Slatkin access and credibility to investors that he would have otherwise never met. He began attracting more influential people. So that was kind of his way in. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Look, I, I make all this money, so. Right. Ugh. Yeah. So then as he continued handling massive amounts of investors' money, he developed a taste for the finer things in life. So we've <laughs> talked about that. So, Uh-oh. Was he driving around fancy cars and wearing yeah. fancy watches? Oh, yeah. So, like, he, of course, had no problem taking money he managed and spent it, like, it was all his own, of course, like we see. It's disgusting. Oh, I know. How do you do that? I know. Isn't it crazy? <sighs> so in 1993, he moved his family to Hope Ranch, an exclusive community in Santa Barbara, California. He also collected high price art as a hobby. And he was knocking on the 1% store on a regular basis. So like he would shop where all the 1% go for everything. Mm. He joined multiple prestigious country clubs over the years. Like what is it with rich people in country clubs? Like I don't get that. Oh, I think it's like a way to network with each other. So they only have to deal with each other and they, they don't get scammed because they need somebody else. And the only other people they trust are other rich people. That's what I think. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Interesting. <laughs> huh. That's an interesting take on that. Oh, yeah. Although they still obviously get ripped off. <laughs> I just think it's a way for them to know each other without having it. It's like a registry, basically. And, yeah. Oh, look, we can hang out here and the pores don't have to be here. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's probably where he started getting more of these investors to make his little scheme. So, right. So he basically paid the dues with all of his stolen money from other investors. He even held his 50th birthday party at the Biltmore Hotel in Santa Barbara. And I don't know if you knew this little bit of information, but in case you're ever on Jeopardy or something... So this resort, the uh, Biltmore Hotel, was owned by the Beanie Baby creator and cost at the time like $1,000 per night. I'm sure it's a lot more than that now. Dang. Jeez. I know, right? He purchased luxury private jets, an expensive wine collection. Ugh. He even dared to donate money that wasn't his to charities and reap the social benefits for himself. Right. Yeah, so it made it look like he was... 
This guy's, you know, just like a total scum, scummy, fake, fraud, douchey guy. So then, of course, by this time, his reputation and status had grown quite yeah. a bit. So everyone looked at him as a high-ranking philanthropist, even though he was like a total schemer. So what he was doing, he was just running this Ponzi scheme to maintain all the drastic changes. So he offered his clients an average of like a 24% annual profit return on their investment. So again, we've talked about this before. When people are promising like a large return like that, that's when you definitely want to start making sure that it's legit. I mean, that's like an unbelievable return. Yeah, I have not seen returns like that personally. And I mean, I have a pretty decent financial planner that knows what he's doing, but right. I've just never been promised anything like that. Never. Like, they've never have said anything to me ever like that. Oh, we're going to get 24% or 25% return on your money. Like, I just, I don't know how people can believe that from people like him. Right, right. So I think that's another common sort of theme that we've heard throughout these is that they just say these things. And people just, I'm so surprised at how many people believe it. Oh, yeah. I don't know that I wouldn't. If I knew the person and I knew they were wealthy, you just sort of have this, like, rose-colored glasses, you know. Well, you know he's probably wine and dined these people pretty good, too. And be like, oh, look at my fancy five-star office and look at all right. this stuff. You know, like, I know what I'm doing. And it's like, so it looks very legit, you know. Right. I'm sure. So basically, he w what he was doing, he was just keeping a steady stream of new investors coming in and using their money to pay off old investors. You know, that's basically mm -hmm. what a Ponzi scheme is. So you're getting a bunch of people together, taking money from some of them. And then, you know, when their money comes due, like with their report or whatever, then you take money from some of the new investors and throw it at them and be like, look at your return. Like, we just made you $3 million in three months or something, you know? Right. So that's basically what he was doing he just lied about where he invested the investors money like some of the investigations that happened revealed that he sank most of his client money into underperforming real estate and tech startups that went nowhere just to make it look legit you know hmm. so he gave some of his clients fake account statements which is legal detailing their increasing profits of up to 24 percent on return of investment and we've seen this all before right. with other people. It's just crazy. And he refused to register as an investment advisor. And that's kind of what started the downward spiral that kind of ended his scheme. Because huh. you know, in the United States, any person or company that's investing money on behalf of others must register mm. with either the state or the SEC to ensure that everything is legal and safe. Mm -hmm. So if you're working under $100 million, you are registered with the state. Over that, you have to register with the SEC. Hmm. which is a organization that kind of watches these people, which is good. We want that. Created by Bernie Madoff, by the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh so then... So uh, not infallible <laughs> by no, any stretch, yeah, but still yeah. something. Yeah, exactly. So then in November of 99, uh, the U.S. Secretaries and Exchange Commission opened up an investigation into his investment club. Hmm. And so when Slatkin knew that the regulator would find many irregularities in his business practices, he made it seem as though he was retiring. Like all of a sudden, oh, I'm retiring. I'm going out of business. <laughs> so he sent out letters to investors and even provided fake liquidation statements to the SEC, which is also illegal. But this was just like more of a misdirection. Even when they were investigating him, he was able to get over $100 million in new investments, which is crazy. Jeez. Jeez. And one of the final investors was John Poritras. I guess he's a former venture capitalist who Slatkin hmm. had talked out of about $15 million. 
Jeez. Um, so that was the big catch that actually ultimately capsized his sinking Ponzi scheme. So Yeah, can't pay 24% back on that. Right, exactly. So then the retired venture capitalist won out just a few weeks later. So he called and called, but Slacken always had an excuse for not returning his money. So at this point, he was getting calls from many investors that wanted out and had no idea what to do. So in the last effort to hold everyone off, he invented a story about a Switzerland brokerage firm called NAA Financial. So this imaginary brokerage was holding $50 million (laughs) of his money. He went to great lengths with investors to prove his story. He once again started creating fake documents, fake business. His attention to detail was like super precise, which is crazy. You know, it's like that <sighs> thing, like, you know, like when you're working with a shitty coworker, you know, it's like they go to great lengths to actually get out of the actual work. Like they spend more time working on getting out of work than actually doing the work. It's kind of like that. Right. I say that to my five-year-old all the time. You're <laughs> arguing with me so much. You could be done by now. Just go do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like, he made, he made sure that, like, he had a European ringtone for his fake company. I mean, just, like, all sorts of crazy stuff. He was trying to, like, <laughs> peddle this lie. You know? Oh, wow. And it, it just proved to be too big. So then, of course, the plan fell apart. And yeah. there was just no stopping it. And so John Potras, he dealt with excuses and empty promises for six weeks before coming fed up, and he contacted his lawyer. So then... His lawyer filed a civil lawsuit and got a judge to agree to freeze all of Slatkin's accounts. And so that's when the Ponzi scheme kind of crumbled to nothing. So after running out of options, Reed Slatkin filed for bankruptcy on May 1st of 2001. So then, of course, that's when his troubles really started. So the SEC sued him for violating federal security laws. And then 10 days later, he stepped down from his position at Earthlink. And so then the FBI and IRS raided his offices and collected enough evidence to bury him in. Yep. So when those guys show up, you better look out. Oh, yeah. So then September 4th of 2003 is when the attorney for the Central District of California announced that he was sentenced. So that's... Jeez. Yeah. So in 2003 is when everything just kind of went south for Reed Slatkin. Huh. So he pled guilty to wire fraud, mail fraud, obstruction of justice, and money laundering. He told the court that he was afraid to shut the operation down because of the reaction he would have gotten from the church. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's who you should... Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what he was more worried about was his status with the Scientology church. Yeah. So this is one of the few stories where I I feel like someone actually got a little bit of justice because you know how like a lot of times with these, like they just go to court and then nothing really happens to these people. Yeah, right. Or they just disappear. Yeah, or they, yeah, they go into hiding or something. But I guess so the judge actually sentenced him to 14 years in prison. (sighs) He ordered him to pay back up to 140 million. He stole 600 though, didn't he? Yeah, $140 million in restitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was just kind of using all that to pay, pay as he goes there. Right. Basically borrowing people's money to live like a 1%. So then I guess the people who also profited from his scheme also had to pay back what they gained, which is shitty. Fox News anchor Greta Van Susteren... Oh, yeah. I forgot about her. Yeah. Greta. Yeah, Greta. Oh, boy. And her husband, they agreed to pay back 700000 worth of profits made from his con scheme. Wow. So, in total, they had netted about $939,000. Hmm. 
And the church actually publicly condemned Slatkin for his actions. So they stated that he violated their code of ethics and the church, and they cut all ties with him. Oh, so that's all you have to do to get out of Scientology. Just run a Ponzi. Right? Just get caught and go to jail, like federal prison. Uh, That is crazy. Yeah, and even, it looks like here, like the Financial Times reported on November 9th of 2006, the groups affiliated with the Church of Scientology had agreed to pay back $3.5 they received from him. Hmm. So he basically served 10 years before he was released. So, I mean, he still served most of the sentence, at least. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I would have sentenced him, like, a year per year of his scheme, which is what they kind of did. I mean, yeah, they sentenced yeah. him to, like, 14 years, so that's about how long right. his scheme lasted. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially in a federal prison situation. Yeah. So, he got out 10 years, and then he spent the next two years with his family, and then he died of a heart attack in 2015. Oh, wow. So he's no longer around, but at least justice was kind of served with him. Right, right. Crazy story. Oh, I know. It's just like all the different like intricate details of this, you know, and like he just totally deceived like all of his family, his friends, like everybody. Uh, It sounds so much like Bernie Madoff. I mean, yeah, if you've ever watched any documentaries on him and his family and how I think at first they really do. I don't know about Reed, but I think at first Bernie Madoff really did try And then people just have such this implicit confidence in certain people. I don't know why. I mean, it's maybe a gender thing, maybe an age thing. Maybe just you've always known, oh, you know, we've always known Bernie to be good with his money or read whatever. And then they just get so far into it. You can't undo it once you start it. They kept thinking they would be able to make the money by investing it in the right way, but they never, ever could. Right. And then when it falls and crashes and it burns to the ground immediately. (laughs) It's amazing how much it falls apart so fast. Right, yeah. So I'm glad to hear nobody, I mean, um, Bernie Madoff's story was terrible. People killed themselves because of it. But sounds like hopefully nobody did with this. But I can't believe Greta Van Susteren. Oh, and Giovanni Ribisi. So that movie with Giovanni Ribisi was Boiler Room, and it was from 2000. So it was around the same time. I bet he got caught, and he's like, oh, you know. Okay. I'm going to do a movie about this. <laughs> It's a good movie. You should watch it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he basically loses everything for other people and makes money himself. But he's not the main guy. So. Right. Anyway, well, that was a good story. Yeah, that's a crazy. I mean, and, you know, this guy, like, he got to live the high life for 15 years. So. Right. Yeah, that's the part that's always like, uh, you know, so sure, it's like as long as your term, you know, the jail term. But there's just something that still feels unjust about it. I don't know why. You know, you still got to be basically, I mean, living in jail is terrible, I bet. But being able to live like a king for 15 years is pretty decent balance, I guess. Yeah. And it's like, think of all the energy you'd have to put out to like deal with all the lies all the time. uh, You'd uh, have to watch all the accounts all the time and make sure that, you know, like no one's going to report you. mm -hmm. Like that's a lot of stress, I would think. I would prefer to just be a legit person and not have to like think about all that. Yeah, I mean, even if you had promised half of that for crying out loud, you could have maybe made it last a little longer, too. But like 24% is an insane amount. It's probably the only way he's able to sell certain people. Yeah. But anyway, don't invest with your friends and family, people. Right. Don't do it. I know. I know it's so tempting. I mean, this guy was like, seriously, at the very beginning, you said he was struggling for money. 
Now all of a sudden he can make you millions? There's, I would just be like, what? Right. Clearly not true. Yeah. You couldn't even make yourself millions before you started investing our money. And now all of a sudden you have millions. I mean, it's just right. one plus one equals two. You know, so obvious if you've known them, I think. But hindsight's always 2020. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, until the next show, watch Watch out. Watch your money. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Real Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. We look forward to having you on our next one.